there are two tales waiting for you, told one after the other by an odd set of two. So prepare yourself, dear one, because this is Drops of Darkness. I am Stranger, and I tell only fantasies. Whenever your world has a grip on your throat, I am there waiting to unleash the monsters that sleep in my mind so that they may remind you that you have sharp teeth and claws of your own. Any other tailor would have considered the coat complete, but Mr. Vargas opened a small secret drawer in his workspace and took out his second strangest spool of thread. This thread was not like any other thread, because Mr. Vargas was not like any other tailor. It was golden yellow, one of a kind, and it filled the tailor's creased palm with a warm glow and a soft hum. Over his half-rimmed glasses, he surveyed the scribbled notes on the neat invoice. He muttered these details back to himself until he was sure they were fresh in his mind. Daniel DeWitt, journalist, 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 oh yeah, the one with the article on the war that no one will publish. He set the gold thread down on the table, and it leapt off the spool in a delicate coil. The moment Mr. Vargas gave the slightest tug, as he worked the strand between his fingertips, it changed and took on a fine shimmer. The tailor whispered to it its duties, its purpose. And whatever Mr. Vargas whispered, the thread made it so. No one knew of his strange secret threads. Not the ones who wore them. Not even the fates themselves, whose skilled hands could never match that of the tailor's. All anyone knew is that wearing something that passed through Mr. Vargas's tailor shop could very well change your life. The power of a well-fitted suit, he'd say, knowing that it was much more than that. With a flick of his well-trained hand, the golden thread slipped through the eye of his needle, and he got to work finishing Daniel DeWitt's coat. By the time he tied off the last stitch, there was abundance sewn into the hems, luck crisscrossing between the holes and the buttons, and good health tacked at the end of each major seam. Mr. Vargas leaned back on his stool and was stretching his neck, which was stiff after being craned over such detailed work, when he heard a sharp knocking against the glass of the shop's front door. He quickly sat forward, slid the gold spool back into the drawer, and snapped his fingers. Obeying the command, the shining gold stitches disappeared into the emerald green wool. That's odd, he thought. Mr. DeWitt never arrives for his fittings off schedule, even with having to take the number 19 bus, which was never on time. He liked that about Mr. DeWitt. He hung the coat on the rack and went to unlock the door. All of Mr. Vargas's clients that bore his gold thread over the centuries, the kings and queens, the artists and writers, each of them had one thing in common that earned them the tailor's gift, something Mr. Vargas valued above all else, 
more so than their ability to afford such fine work as his, more than their social standing, more than anything. Courtesy. And one thing that Mr. Vargas could not stand, not in the slightest, were those who lacked it. He still took them as clients, but it was not gifts that he wove into their clothes and their lives. He had other threads for them. But it was not Mr. DeWitt at the door. It was a man he'd never seen before, knocking with the back of his bent fingers, slamming a large gold signet ring against the part of the glass that clearly read, by appointment only. Rude, thought the tailor. He unlocked the door, but before he could reiterate the sign that this man could clearly see, the man pushed through the door and dropped the hook of a wardrobe bag hanger over the tailor's hand. Ugh, I was beginning to worry you might not answer. I have a very important luncheon in two days, and I need that suit altered before 10 a.m. the day of. It seems like anyone who's anyone in this city has you as their tailor, so here I am. Go ahead and write Ethan Walsh on your little notebook. And I'm a size 36. I did you a favor and checked my other suit so you can skip all the measuring. Mr. Vargas waited a moment to make sure the man was actually done talking and not just taking a breath. Do you have an appointment? He asked. Do I need one? I was already going to be in the area today, so I thought it just seemed like it was destined to be. So I'm dropping this off while I'm here, and I'll go out of my way Friday to come back and pick it up. Because I have heard you are the best of the best. Another thing that the tailor disliked was flattery. But he draped the garment bag over his arm and bowed his head at his new client. I find that destiny is quite a pliable thing, Mr. Walsh and it is very often molded by how one conducts themselves and treats those around them. Something that would have suited you well, had you remembered. The tailor watched as the man's eyes narrowed. Demanding a suit back now would be admitting defeat, and to parry back would risk being turned away by the most sought-after tailor in the city, which seemed an image he would very much like to avoid. Mm, ah, yes, I've been in such a rush, it seems I've forgotten my manners, said Mr. Walsh with a strained smile. My apologies, and my deepest gratitude if you decide to accommodate me. Mr. Vargas was satisfied to see the muscle flutter in Ethan's tensed jaw. All right, Mr. Walsh, he said. You are no more a size 36 than I am a tree. Let's get your measurements. The man made no other comments, while the tailor circled him with his tape measure, which suited Mr. Vargas just fine. He already decided what color of thread he would be using for Mr. Walsh. You need it done by Friday at 10, it will be ready to pick up Friday at 9, he said, once he had the measurements he needed. Now, if you please excuse me, I have a scheduled fitting that my client has been patiently waiting for, while I accommodate you. He held his hand out past where Mr. DeWitt was standing and pointed towards the door. That evening, the tailor took the suit back to his workspace, set out his tools, and rolled up his sleeves. This suit would be the finest thing Ethan Walsh would ever wear, and Mr. Vargas would ensure it fit him with near-surgical precision. Not that the man would appreciate the level of craftsmanship or deserved it. 
but precise work was the only work Mr. Vargas did, because the better it fit, the better the thread could take hold. He worked through the next two nights, and it was well into Friday morning when he opened his secret drawer and pulled out the strangest of all of his threads. This spool was black, and it did not glow or shimmer or hum. It crackled and hissed like wet wood in a fire. It was not fine or smooth, and did not slip willingly between the tailor's fingers. It threw its thorns into his fingertips and fought to stay coiled tight where it was. That is, until Mr. Vargas whispered to it its duty, its purpose. The thorns flattened down, and the black thread allowed itself to be slid into the eye of a needle, eager to be set free now that it had a task to be done. It only took a few stitches, which took the tailor barely any time at all. There was no need to tie off his work. This thread sank its sharp claws into the fibers, where it would wait as long as it had to, which, judging by the loud banging against the glass door, wouldn't be long at all. Ethan Walsh arrived an hour before his appointment and made it clear by his incessant knocking that he did not intend to wait patiently. Rude, thought Mr. Vargas as he hung the suit on the rack. I thought maybe you'd forgotten our appointment. I know you're not used to being so accommodating, said Ethan when he was let inside. No greetings, no gratitude, no apology for the early arrival. Let's get you dressed, Mr. Walsh, said the tailor with a bow. It fit him perfectly. I might have to have you work on the rest of my clothes, tailor, said Mr. Walsh, some of the briskness falling from his voice as he admired himself in the mirrors. I'm afraid to say that will not be happening, Mr. Walsh, said the tailor. There was no menace in his words. He was merely stating a fact. Fine, then, said the man, tugging the suit jacket's lapels and raising his nose back in the air. He paid in full, and as planned, wore the suit out the door, carrying his old clothes in a sleek black bag with Mr. Vargas's shop logo for everyone to see. The tailor took a sip of his coffee which he brewed extra strong that morning. And over the rim of his cup, he watched as the number 19 bus came down the street just a little too fast. And then Ethan Walsh, who suddenly and inexplicably could not keep his feet on the curb. With the confidence of a man dressed as a monarch, he marched into the street and turned, facing the speeding bus as if it was his ultimate destiny which it was, or it became so, the moment he slipped on that suit. There was a small thud somewhere under the screech of the bus's brakes that could not break quick enough. Someone screamed. A few others called for help. The tailor set his cup on its saucer and made his way back to his stool, where he sat for the rest of the morning. He did his best to ignore the sound of the sirens as he enjoyed his coffee and read Daniel DeWitt's article, which had just been published that morning on the front page of the New York Times. Hello, everyone. In between stories, we'd like to highlight a cause that is worth our collective attention. For January... 
we decided to highlight the Southern Poverty Law Center. This is a nonprofit that is dedicated to seeking justice, battling bigotry, and promoting equality. For over five decades, they've tirelessly worked towards dismantling hate and intolerance in all its forms. You can find out more and donate at www.splcenter.org or from the link on our website at dropsofdarkness.com. Now, back into the shadows we go. I am someone, and I tell only truth. Whenever something slithers through the barrier between worlds, I am there. Not to stop them, but to watch them and remind you of the countless terrors your kind has survived all on their own. This story was submitted by at unofficially Mikey, whose TikTok handle is listed in the episode's description. I've had a few paranormal experiences throughout my life, but this one popped up in my brain the other day, and I've been thinking about it a lot and can't really explain what happened. About two years ago in the dead winter, my power went out, and this was a big problem for me because I have a pet leopard gecko who requires heating elements to survive. It started getting very cold in my apartment very quickly to the point I became worried about my pet's safety and did the only thing I could think to do, which was to take my gecko to my car and crank the heater up. Normally we get a few power outages every winter in my area and they last maybe an hour or two. This time was different because the power did not come back on for six hours. After about an hour sitting in my driveway, I got extremely bored and started driving around my neighborhood which had some more rural areas that butted up against a national forest. One of these areas is an absolutely beautiful overlook where you can see miles of the forest and also a few street lights, so I'd be able to see if the power came back on. So I drove up there and parked to enjoy the view. I'd had the heat running for a while and the car had gotten a bit hot, so I rolled down the window to let in some cool air and almost immediately started hearing something kind of far off at first and kind of a weird sad sounding howl mixed with a squawk. I assumed this was an animal but rolled up the window almost all the way just in case. Over the next 20 minutes the sound got progressively closer and closer to the car until it sounded like it was circling me. I can still hear this sound in my mind clear as day, even though this happened several years ago. And I know what animals we have locally and what they sounded like. This didn't sound like any of them. I got nervous and decided to leave and go get some food and gas in a neighboring town that still had power. About another hour passed and there's still no power. Having convinced myself the sound was just an animal and it had probably long since moved on, I went back to the overlook to enjoy my meal. About another hour goes by without anything happening, no noise, no nothing, until eventually I see movement along the big rocks in front of me. It's starting to get dark, so I can't really make it out perfectly, but at one point, it looked like the head of a disfigured animal peered at me over a rock and then disappeared. I see this several more times, 
but I stay because if it was an animal, there was something severely wrong with it. Be it an injury or a birth defect that would probably affect its quality of life. And I wanted to be able to let animal control know so they could find it to help it or put it out of its misery if necessary, since it was clearly staying in the exact area. After a while, it starts making noise again. The same one as before, but now it's also added this horrible gurgling and sounds almost human. At this point, it's gotten completely dark and I can't see much of anything, but I can still hear it circling in the car. Eventually, I hear what sounds like something messing around near the back tire and I panic and peel out of the parking spot. I look behind me and see what is now very clearly a person in the taillight. They attempted to chase the car for a few feet, but quickly gave up. Is it possible that this was just a person under the influence or suffering from a mental health issue? Yeah, it definitely is. But that seems pretty unlikely since it was probably below 30 degrees outside and far enough out of everyone's way, I doubt anyone would be hanging out there let alone hanging out there for hours and wearing what appeared to be an animal skin on their head. If it wasn't a person, based on the location and how the thing looked, probably a skinwalker. This experience still terrifies me to this day. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Drops of Darkness, which is written, voiced, and produced by Anodyne Vaughn and Cameron Helquaik. If you enjoyed your drift into the shadows, help keep the stories alive by sharing the show, leaving a review, and if you really want to earn the favor of these dark storytellers, tether yourself to their world by tapping subscribe. If you have a true paranormal story of your own that you'd like to be read, by someone. You can make the offering to submissions at dropsofdarkness.com or through the form on our website. Until next time, dear one, and remember, when the darkness looks your way, hold its gaze.